When it comes to leadership, there is no need to reinvent the wheel. Character is what eventually makes or breaks leaders. Yet, it's the most ignored and overlooked aspect of leadership development today. We have the perfect leadership role model, and that's Jesus. We simply need to follow his lead, allowing him to work in and through us. Welcome to Lead Like Jesus podcast. Leadership starts on the inside. That is Rich Cummins. I am Freddie Scott, and this is the Lead Like Jesus podcast, where leadership starts on the inside. This is your podcast, Kingdom Leaders, and we're so excited that you're joining us again today. In today's episode, we're talking about how to stop overreacting. Can your instincts instincts be trusted and wisdom in decision-making? We will also have a prayer for wisdom. You know, this is such a relevant topic because I think every single person at some point has overreacted and gotten in trouble as a result of it. And so we have another uh, a special guest again. They, they did our episode, or just our previous episode. And if you missed it, you need to go back because there is some valuable information about if you've ever had issues with thinking that you're disqualified from what God's called you to do. He downloaded some gems that's going to bless your life. So, Rich, can you introduce our guest again today? Absolutely, Freddie. We are excited to introduce you to Steve Arterburn. He's the founder and chairman of New Life Ministries and the host of the number one nationally syndicated Christian counseling talk show, New Life Live, heard and watched by over 2 million people each week on nearly 200 radio stations nationwide on XM and Sirius Satellite Radio, and on NRB TV. Steve's also the host of New Life TV, a web-based video channel dedicated to transforming lives through God's truth. He's the founder of Women of Faith conferences that were attended by over 5 million people, and he's the author of a new book that's out now, The Soul of a Hero. Welcome to the podcast, Steve. Thanks, guys. Uh, Enjoyed being with you last time, and uh, I'll try to preach a lot less and... um, dialogue with you here. Great to be with you again. Well, thank you again so much. We're so excited to dive into the topic today. Stop overreacting. And I think all of us that are on right now have had numerous situations where we have overreacted to the information, the content, or something, and it's caused us either to make a bad decision or to make the wrong assumptions. And I'm reminded of, uh, I went to Penn State, of course, and we had the whole issue with Jerry Sandusky and the issues there. And then I remember when I first heard the news and the report, and of course, our hearts are just broken and and our hearts go to the victims and you go through this. And then I felt all this anger and wrath and rage because I only heard one side of the story. Well, about a month or two after things are just spiraling, we are copied, we Letterman were copied on an internal email that gave us the rest of the story. Now the narrative was that, you know, Joe Paterno knew all the stuff that was happening and just let it happen right in the building. Well, the witnesses are sharing emails to the prosecution saying, I never told Joe anything. People are getting upset, but they're making the wrong assumptions and I want to be able to make the record straight. 
but they weren't allowed to for a variety of reasons. Well, what that taught me was, oh my goodness, I could hear a fact of a situation, but try to set back and not overreact until I get more information about it, because otherwise I could make the wrong decision or make some wrong assumptions without first getting information. From your experience, Steve, is that something that's that most people deal with and, and overreacting when you get a piece of the information instead of all of the information? Well, um, we're either reactors or responders. You either are going to react based on uh, something out of your past that takes you um, down a path that you never dreamed you would or you don't think you should or you don't even know it's a crummy path because that's the way you've always done it. So I either react or if I can heal some of the stuff in my life, if I can uh, grow as a Christian, then I can respond to things the way God would respond versus to react. Let me give you an amazing example. The, the Central Park jogger was a woman who was out jogging in Central Park in New York, and uh, she was uh, raped and beaten almost to death. In fact, the emergency room doctor told her father I think you should let her go because the life she's going to live, uh, it's going to be horrible after this. Well, they didn't let her go. She revived and five guys were convicted of the crime and sent to jail. She did not hate them. She did not react by wanting vengeance. She forgave them. She worked through all of that to forgive them. You know why that's so great? Because it year or so later, they found out who actually did it. It was a total different set of five guys. So she would have been angry and bitter toward innocent people. So it's a, it's a great example of why don't we respond the way God wants us to respond rather than react. And sometimes when you overreact, the overreaction is an underreaction. There's a proverb that says, when you wink at wrong, you cause trouble. But an open rebuke brings lasting peace. So if you're an enabler or, you know, you're a peace uh, keeper, you know, God doesn't honor peace keepers. He honors peace makers. And sometimes you have to disturb the peace to make peace. So we're going to respond like God would want us to. Jesus is a really good example of how to respond. Or we're going to be reacting and that reaction is going to be fueled by something we've never dealt with in our life. What's a habit that somebody can do today? We're, we're talking about leadership here. What can a leader do right now to work on that difference between reaction and responding? What, what can I do right now so that I don't overreact in the future? Well, let's just say you were an angry man. That's how you viewed yourself or an angry woman. Okay, so why don't you get some help for that? I bet you don't want to be angry. I would imagine you've tried a lot of different things to not be angry. But most likely, there's something uh, in your past that has never, ever been resolved, just tritely or commonly. You know, if you're angry at this other person all the time, they're really not doing anything. You might have taken the head of your mother and put it on the shoulders of your wife and what you're really, how you're really treating her is all this unresolved anger toward mommy. Or, you know, maybe it's dad's head that you're really 
on, on the shoulders. And so this person that you say you love is paying the price for you never resolving that conflict or that wound with uh, one of your parents or somebody that hurts you uh, earlier in life. Are you seeing that come into the workplace? Are you seeing that just kind of infiltrate into work? I mean, that's a, I think that's a great analogy when you say you're putting your, your mom's face on, on, your, on your wife's body. And, and so it's almost like you're transferring. Are you seeing that happen in the workplace? I've heard of like mental static that's getting in the way of people functioning as a team properly. Talk more about that. Well, it's, it, it does happen. It happens all the time. And somebody can just be who they are and it triggers you because they they remind you of somebody else or uh, somebody had a, a difficult problem with but if if you're in the workplace and you're a tyrant where, where do you get that as being the right way to lead somebody um, anybody can be a tyrant hitler did a great job of being a tyrant is that who you want to be like I, I don't think so but i think that when we we get into the word, get into God's word, let it become part of who we are, get some counseling, resolve some of this stuff. Then we become a compassionate leader. We become um, a leader who is available, who is willing. You know, uh, one of the things that I like to do is I like to lead by consensus, which means if I can bring people together and we're all in agreement, that's just so much more powerful than me saying, here's what we're going to do. There's sometimes when consensus is absolutely wrong. I had an example of that just the other day, and I have to go a little harder on the, trying to convince or just make the decision. But whenever I can, it's consensus. And sometimes I think we ought to do something and trying to get consensus, trying to get agreement with other people, I realize I'm absolutely wrong. A tyrant does not make themselves available to information, details that might change your opinion. And if you're a tyrant, you're reacting. Your whole life is reacting. And I just wonder how horrible it is at home for you if you've still got people living with you at home. But all that can be changed when we finally say, you know, I want to be different than this. Uh, this is not a man of character who is a dictator. I want to be better and I'm going to get some help for it. So when you start talking about, and really what you're talking about is, is our process in responding to information and how we process information that we get. And, you know, there's an interesting question I'm going to ask, which is, can your instincts be trusted? You know, th this is something where I think of scripture where it talks about be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to wrath, um, assume the best of others. And even I I'm taking this even personally in my own marriage, I used to have a season of my life where I used to struggle with assuming the intent of what I thought they meant. And usually if I assumed something negative, oh, you're saying that just to be a nag, you're saying that just to do this, you're saying this, and it could be my wife, it could be a coach, it could be a coworker, it could be a boss. When I assume the negative, I'm making a lot of internal processes that takes me into <laughs> a bad place. And is all of assumption of how it processed what they said. Can our instincts be trusted or how can I know if they can or can't? Yeah, I, I think um, your instincts most of the time are, are, are something that uh, need to be checked out. They need to be verified. If you think that you've just got it and you know 
and you're not trying to verify that with other people, you know, to me, that's a, that's a huge mistake. Now, what did Jesus do when people challenged him? Uh, did he immediately start preaching? Most of the time, he would ask a question. And I find that to be such a great way to verify whether or not my assumption is true. Rather than say something, is to ask a question. Now, when my wife wants to share something with me, because it's her life, it's her feelings, it's her experience, she doesn't want me to respond with statements about stuff that I know about. When I respond to her, anything else? Um, how does that feel? When I start to ask her question, she doesn't need me to say anything. <laughs> she Often she'll just say, no, I just needed to say it. Thank you for listening to me. So I think uh, instinct can really take us down the wrong road. If, if that were not true, uh, no one would ever be married to somebody that they wish they hadn't married or was really difficult. You trust your instinct when you marry somebody rather than go get premarital counseling and tell the counselor before you do it, hey, listen, if you don't think we ought to be married, I want you to tell us. I don't want you to just try to make it as good as you can. Or you, you, if you don't have any friends around you, like if a woman doesn't have other female friends to say, hey, have you noticed this guy carries an ax? I think he's an ax murderer. No, I thought that was his razor. No, you know, if you don't have those people around you, then your instincts very likely will take you in the wrong direction. But if you're just humble enough to verify, to question, to affirm what you believe, and confirm what you believe, um, I think you're on the right track. Now, I was going to ask a quick follow-up on the instincts, because it sounds like our instincts are based on either our past experience, our belief system, or something that was modeled in, in front of us. So if my past experience had some, some form of trauma, or if I've had some bad experience or rejection or, or pain or, or things of that nature, or if my belief system isn't founded in the word of God, I may habitually just respond in a certain way, but it may not necessarily be the healthy way that God desires us to respond with and to each other. Well, one of the worst things is I get hurt as a child, teenager, young adult. And then I set out, I think that my goal should be to protect myself from ever being hurt again. So I become addicted to sameness, predictability, being safe. I got to tell you, if you are, well, I wrote a book, Healing is a Choice. And one of the most healing things you can do is choose to risk again. You've learned something when you were hurt before. You're not the same person. And so if we're just going to protect ourselves and try to shut the world out and not be open to new things and not be willing to risk, then our faith is in our ability to stay safe versus faith in God who can help us. And, and if we'll learn from whatever it was before, like maybe I did this in isolation, I never consulted somebody else or whatever, then we can do some things differently and risk, but we can risk safely. But I hate it when the reaction to life is protect myself and never ever risk being hurt again.
we're going to go a different direction now. Let's talk about wisdom and decision-making, Steve. So I love the scripture in Luke 14, 31, where Jesus says, uh, what king is going to war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he's able to, with 10,000, to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. What does this reveal about how we should make decisions? Well, it, it means, just as we were talking there about reaction versus response. If I'm uh, a king and I've got a big bunch of soldiers that, that are willing to follow me, if my reaction is anger and I just rush out to battle and not count the cost, I may not come back or a bunch of my men may not come back more than I had anticipated. So in counting the cost, there's some concepts. Um, you can't use discernment if you aren't willing to delay gratification. So when I am able to say, boy, I'd like to go kill some people over that, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wait and try to discern if that's the right thing to do. In my discernment, I'm going to look at, okay, I understand that this is how big the enemy is. This is how big I am. Okay, I'm not going to do that. So I'm just looking at some reality because I can delay gratification. Then I need to consult some people that maybe know a little bit more than I do. And so if I'm open to hearing the truth about myself and the truth about reality, man, I, I've got a chance at being a wise person. If my foundation is God's truth, and then I've got faith in that God, not my ability, and I've got friends that can come around and challenge me, speak truth into my life. Man, that is the, that is the path to wisdom. You know, Jeremiah 6.16 says, stop at the crossroads. Look around. Find the old godly path. Walk in its steps, and you will find peace for your soul. That's how you do it. You don't find some new age concept of leadership or whatever. You go back to what God says. And God is a patient and loving God. And so we have to be able to respond in a timely manner rather than react in an untimely manner if we want to be people known as wise. So what would you say to a kingdom leader right now that feels like, wait a minute, I, I hear what you're saying. You know, I want to operate in wisdom. I want to have discernment. Uh, I, I want to seek sound counsel. And, and I know there's safety there. But you don't understand the situation that I'm in right now. I'm in a very urgent situation. I don't have time to go through that whole process. Talk to that person about the importance of managing the urgent and how do you still apply wisdom, even though it may be urgent what you're dealing with? Well, you know, you, you do have time to pray and ask for God's help. And you do have time to at least ask one other person what they think. You've got that time. And if you don't have that time, because it's, you know, it's like I either turn or I drive off the, the cliff, well, then you do the best that you can. But you got to be willing to look back and say, I might, because I wasn't prepared or whatever, I might have made the wrong decision there. And I might need to change course here now that I've made that decision. Or I might need to go back and say, wow, that was, that was wrong. I messed up. And I uh, hope you'll forgive me. Or 
I've learned something. I want to, I want to go a different direction. If we humble down, uh, that's really the key here, rather than thinking we got to have all the answers. And when you're humble, you're asking other people for input. You're trusting God for things that you cannot yourself do, but you're also open to feedback from other people and to realistically look at the results of what you chose. Great. That sounds amazing. And, and feedback is so important in the life of a leader. I, wanna, I want you to have a chance now to talk to us about the soul of a hero and tie that into what, what it means to lead like Jesus. We want to hear more about the new book that you have out right now. Well, in, uh, in being a hero, we, 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 go, we rail against the person looking for some desperate person to be rescued in order to be a hero. Uh, where we start is uh, where Jesus says to start, to have faith like a child. And so we say, uh, you got to start small. And, and a child is open to so much. A child is teachable. And a child is looking around in wonder of things rather than having a negative attitude that everything's horrible and all. And so we want to, we start by having the mindset of a child, really. To be open to anything, but we don't stay there. You know, we talk. I talk about the need for a mentor. I talk about the need for brothers to come alongside you uh, to be a strength that maybe you don't have. But here's the other thing: you can't be a leader and not respect somebody of the opposite sex, and that goes both ways: female leader, male leader. If you have no respect. For, for somebody of the opposite sex because you've been hurt or you've been around some really horrible people, then uh, you really need to look at your leadership because a lot of people uh, that you lead are the opposite sex and they didn't do anything to you. Somebody else might have, but you really have to, I tell men all the time, hey, listen, you got a father wound, probably. A lot of guys do. You need to deal with that. But here's the other thing. The big challenge for most men is to get over your mother. Now people say, well, I had this wonderful mother. Well, you need to get over that because if you think she's so great and wonderful and you're haven't, you haven't left her, then your wife can never live up to that. Or mother was horrible and you don't get over that. Your wife can never compensate enough for that. So yeah, we got to deal with that father. Wound. We also, we got to get over mother, whether she was great or not. Freddie, you, you, you relate to that or? Listen, I wrote a book called The Dad I Wish I Had. So yes, I can relate to that. And I think we need to have a whole other episode just tackling that because so much of who, how I see myself, how I see the world around me, my self-esteem, my self-worth, um, how I process conflict and decision-making is all wrapped up into the initial institution that God designed to develop us, which is our family. And so again, thank you so much for those pearls of wisdom that you shared. I know I've got notes and I'm gonna make sure I go back and listen to this over and over again. And again, Steve, thank you so much for that. Rich, would you mind praying for our kingdom leaders today who are looking to stop overreacting and to operate in more godly wisdom in their decision-making? Be glad to, Freddie. 
Heavenly Father, your word says that the fear, uh, the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom and all understanding. And I just pray, Lord God, now that you would help us discern when are those moments that we need to be responding in a timely manner. Show us how to, Lord God, so that we, we would not react irrationally. Please give us the tools and help us to do everything we can to live, love, and lead like Jesus. We say this in your holy, precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Again, thank you again, Steve, for being our guest today. This will definitely not be the last time. I definitely want to pick up on that conversation with parents. I know that resonated with a lot of our kingdom leaders out there. Kingdom leaders, thank you again for watching. And don't forget, leadership starts on the inside. We'll see you next time.